in, in, in terms of the human relationships, the juxtaposition of one person to another, the form and the content. Why do you knock off the bullshit and get to the point? Hey, kids. It's time for Pizza and Pop Culture with our Rogues Gallery of Talent. Coming at you on location from Eastside Pizza in Wallingford, Connecticut. Now serving up Geek Pizza with extra cheese. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are back. Pizza and Pop Culture, the podcast that you've been waiting for. We're still virtual, but we're looking forward to getting back out there in the real world uh, together. Once again at uh, Eastside Pizza, our namesake, our love, the love of my life, Eastside Pizza. Mm, I know. I lick it. Um, <laughs> hey, visit us on uh, – I do. I want to lick it. I love that pizza sauce. I want to I wanna, um, shout out to, uh, you know – Make sure you visit us on Facebook, on Twitter, Pizza Pop Culture. Our website is pizzapopculture.com. And uh, please subscribe. We need subscribers. Mm-hmm. We need you to follow us. We'd really like to, you know, pretend like we're really important people and move along. No, I'm kidding. We got a lot of important stuff to say. Please well, we're good at us. pretending. <laughs> we're good at pretending. So today, we got five of us here today. We got... Are uh, in the upper left-hand corner, Mr. Jude. Hey, Mr. Jude. Good, good. We got Mr. Peter Bradley up there. Hello, hello. We got Mr. Angelo Alexopoulos. Good evening, everybody. We got Shitty Chicken himself, Keith Larson. No, that would be me. Hello, and it's me, Shitty Beef. And uh, we're going to talk about a few things today, but the first thing we're going to talk about is um it comes from angelo a, a a really thoughtful um and interesting topic what is it that puts the class in something that's classic what is it about something that we've watched or seen or experienced that makes it quote unquote a classic i'm not even sure um if we want to talk about what defined classic angelo but Take it away. Yeah, I was um, I was at work the other day, and I was it just actually popped into my head about uh, you know what is it about certain aspects of pop culture? You know, it doesn't matter what decade it's in. It's just you know what is it about Charlie Brown, for example, that endures to this day? Um, you know, my son he when he was nine months old he uh, he was having you know. I guess a fit. He was, he didn't want to sleep. He was crying this and that, and we didn't know what to do. And, uh, I was just, uh, thumbing around YouTube. I came across, you know, um, Christmas time is here from the, uh, you know, the Christmas, uh, special, uh, Charlie Brown and the music popped on and he immediately within seconds, just kind of like he was intent looking at the TV, listening to the music. And within minutes, he just slowly, you know, went to sleep. And I was like, wow. And, and now you know, over the last two years, he's four now, but he still loves Charlie Brown. Put on whatever one, you know, whatever one of the, the, the shows that were on in the 60s and the 70s, he loves it. He loves the music. He loves, you know, the uh, everything about it. Um, I actually at one point uh, also showed him the intro to the beginning of Superman, it, uh, the 1978 film. 
and he loves it. He, I, it's the music, I think, for him anyways. But what is, it, what is it about those things that still to this day endure? Because every Christmas they show that, every Halloween they show um, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. And it's still, people still to this day will turn it on. They will turn it on, they love it, they, and they, they continue to watch. Whereas certain cartoons from an era we grew up in, the late 70s, early 80s, you turn it on now and you start to cringe we thought it was great back then, but you watch it today, you're like, I don't think so. You know, I, it's a really, really good question. It's a really good thing to think about. And I was, when I think about watching um, Peanuts and Charlie Brown, I think about where I was when I first saw it. It's like, yes, it's familiar. Yes, I recognize that sound. You recognize that piano. You recognize those characters from, you know, miles and miles away. Where you were when you, I think where you are behaviorally um, it makes an imprint on you. Like you're with your family. We were all growing up in front of television as it was really, truly just starting to pick up speed. And some of these things were shown, they were shown year after year. And it was a sign of warmth, it was a sign of, you know, a time where it was like family and that sort of a thing. I wonder how much that plays a role in in how what we think of as classics. Alan, I'm so glad you just said that because since Angelo started this, I've been thinking what distinguishes that kind of stuff and why it hangs on for decades. And recent things just don't seem to have any staying power for the most part. And I think you just nailed it. It was the fact that we had very limited television. We had three or four channels, and, and these things were only on television once a year. We're now with the internet and all this optical media. And you can get anything you want pretty much at any second of the day, anywhere. And I think that might be part of the reason that there's not much class in classic anymore. Well, we, we also don't have Jim Henson anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that's there's a, a ton of talented people out there and they no, really I know, hard on this stuff. It's just it's become a digital wasteland. Where right. and I think Alan touched on it's exactly why. It's because we we television was just kind of catching its stride and we, we we even watched a lot of TV prior to cable. Like we really had a very limited access to any media. Well, my brother and I, what we used to do is we used to like plan out when we're going to see something. My brother and I would open the TV guide and we would say, oh, Friday, we have to watch this because, you know, we have to watch Superman on HBO. And when we were kids, we parked in front of, we parked in front of the TV at eight o'clock or whatever to watch Superman. So it was like you planned when you were to come together as a family to watch a TV show. Yes. A point now you just go, what do you guys want to watch? I don't know. It's just, yeah. Well, there used to be a little book that came out every week called TV Guide. Yep. And that would basically, sit, you'd set your life around that. You'd circle the stuff every day that you wanted to watch, and you had to have your butt in front of the TV. Yeah, right. I mean, even more so. I mean, yes, it was, a, it was a schedule. It was a calendar. But the TV Guide really, I mean, it just made you excited for things. Mm-hmm. Because we take for granted information now a lot because we can be bombarded. We can find out anything in an instant. But back in the day, um, and the pop culture stuff that we're talking about, we didn't have all that. We relied on information like posters and mm-hmm. commercials that we would see on television or previews that we would see in the movie or TV Guide, to, to, which, would, which was a 
book. I mean, this thing had everything in it. it talked about programming and things to look forward to, and it was like cool. It was coolness. It was it was your way of connecting with stuff, you know, the characters and the shows that you wanted to see. I don't know. It just now, seemed different. Now, not to stray off the topic, but do you guys remember back in the day, a lot of product placement used to be played on the ads to promote the whatever was going to happen, you know, whatever show was going to come out. Do you guys remember that? You mean like Twilight Zone That's, brought to you by Brillo? Not even. There would be like a commercial like with Pepsi and then they would have like the actors or E.T. fly in and they'd be like, see E.T. in the theaters and oh, drink Pepsi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, back in, <laughs> and back in the day, it seemed like the ads, they always ran these ads to make you buy into a product and then promote the movie. And I remember with E.T., I know they did a crap load of that. I think Pepsi did with E.T. And I don't know, there were certain movies that, you know, they would always have some kind of advertisement. You know, TV Guide was uh, a big factor in, um, in, in Angela listens to the same show in the 430 movie. You know, you'd look at the TV Guide, the 430 movie was coming on. What week was it going to be? Ooh, every week it's alien invasion. Ooh, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, That's right. That's you, right. You know, it, you're right, Alan. It was it was full of pictures and it was, you know, descriptions. And the front was always interviews with some of your favorite celebrities. And it was just I love the TV Guide and I'm really sad it's pretty much gone. Yeah, nothing replaced it really. One of the things I think uh, that that is different about the things that are made today, as opposed to the things that we consider classic, is that there's the attitude about the, about how they're made is different. You had Jude mentioned Jim Henson, uh, Peanuts. You had Charles Schultz. You had a, 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 either a singular vision, or in the case of like Superman, you had people that 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 were they weren't trying to be smarter than the material. They actually realized, well, we're well right now we're custodians of this property, so we have to do a better job with it. Whereas it's not just a a, a corporate creation. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have the Smurfs sell cereal, or 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 in the case of stuff nowadays, we're making sure that it doesn't offend everybody, or it has to appeal to a certain a very niche niche group. I think it's I think that there, there's a lack of a singular vision. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, a good point. Yeah. You know, and I, and now I, it seems like they got to check all these boxes so they can get their cash right. grab. Well, Jim Henson always took risks. I mean, I remember back in the day, I, I, I mean, you know, he did uh, Dark Crystal and all these other movies, and I kept thinking, wow, that's a far cry from Sesame Street. But you don't see that. I don't think you really see that anymore, do you? Where people kind of, there's one person, but they're going in different directions. Yes, trying to Tarantino. Well, I'm talking to do whatever kids, he wants, but I'm talking for kids <laughs> and family. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I, I mean, you know, yeah, that we could go on about that. But, you know, you know, one of the biggest memories or fondest memories I had growing up was getting up before my parents on a Sunday, my brother and I, and watching cartoons to about 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah, Saturday morning cartoons, man. I mean, that was a big deal. My brother used to get me up at like six o'clock in the morning so we could watch the Spider-Man cartoon. Remember the Spider-Man? Oh, yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. And then we used to watch um, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which came on later on. And then there was a bunch of other shows that was. And then who but else had this problem around 11, 1130 when they started to kick into some young adult live action shows? That's right. when parents came and said, get your ass outside. Yeah. <laughs> baseball game. Transitioned would come on. into creature double feature on right. channel 56. Creature so, double. so it went from Saturday morning cartoons to bad monster movies. That is exactly, that is exactly what I did, Pete. We, and Phil, in the Philadelphia area, we had, um, yep. We had, uh, 
we had something like that creature double feature and it was yeah. with um That's al awesome. um al lewis from the munsters from he gra- was from grandpa grandpa and he used to host he used to host this thing um i gotta find a clip of it uh that was interesting but two things first my saturday morning cartoon thing was always just right before school they would do that you know because the season was always from september to like may or june it was a Mm -hmm. full season of 20 something episodes not like it is today you know two episodes and we're all done i'm like you know what the hell um they used to do that thing where they would announce what the new cartoons were and what the oh, new Oh, that was my favorite. Oh, oh yeah, loved every that. I loved waiting for that. Oh, you know what the, new shows the Friday were? before, the Bravo Friday album. before the premiere, they would always do they would always show like 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 minute long segments of all the new cartoons premiering. Yeah, and television shows even so it was just such a fun thing, you know, everyone would watch that and we talk about stuff and you know, I, I it sounds like when I'm talking about it now it sounds like so long ago like it was before even the wheel was invented, but it wasn't that long ago. But a- Angelo, what I what made you think of this idea of the classics? What's classic to you is well, what here, I wonder. Here's the thing, talking about Saturday morning cartoons. Just a few days ago, my son wanted to watch something on YouTube and the day prior, my brother had, you know, he was listening to some music at the restaurant and I, th- I can't, I think it's blind melon is the band and they were, they did a cover of three is the magic number from schoolhouse rock. Okay. Oh, nice. yes. So I found it on YouTube and I played it for my son. He fell in love with it immediately. And I showed him a bunch of the other ones, verb adjectives, all he loved all of them. And that's my question is like, my son is like four in this. This stuff came out in the early set, early to mid seventies. This stuff still endures. He watches it and he loves it. You know what I mean? So what is it about that that he likes? And, you know, like, like, wow, he actually likes this stuff. And it's like, this stuff is from 30, 40 years ago, whatever it is. And it still endures. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I bet you any – because there's some stuff that he watches that's modern that's that I sit down and watch with him. I'm like, is this stuff – is you know, will it be around 30 years from now, even though YouTube will still be around, and you can access it? Is this still going to be popular? Because School I, Rock, Schoolhouse Rock, for him, he loved it. I still well, do. I have the DVD. Right, yeah. It. You know, yeah. I love that. I wa- Schoolhouse Rock, I just, I just listened to it the other day. And you know what? You guys want to hear something really cool? Yeah. Okay. Guess what? Ready? We talk about a lot of stuff going on in the universe right now. I don't want to bring it up here, but here's something to remind everybody. We, the people in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of a liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish oh this constitution for the is this all from memory or are you actually reading this america no that's from memory mother wow memory. you don't know wow. them, dude? come on i know them all 
Well, I liked I'm a I'm just a Bill, but I can't remember. Of course, I'm just sing a Bill. It. I'm just a Bill. Yes, I'm only. Never mind. I won't go there, Jude. <laughs> or uh, Libby, 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 get your. I feel like we should do a Schoolhouse <laughs> Rock karaoke some night. <laughs> Great. I loved Conjunction Junction, and you yeah, know what I found out? Junction, what's your function? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let it go, Jude. Don't hold back. When when I was at <sighs> UConn, I was a student at UConn. One of the guys that was in uh, Interplanet Janet, remember that one? Oh, right? yeah. Interplanet. Yeah. Galaxy Girl. So he was in the education department and he was um his name begins with the no. I always want to say David Ogden Styers, but of course he was Charles Emerson Nash. <laughs> he wasn't him, but it was a name like that. And he was a professor at UConn and he had right there on his wall that thing. I got a little trivia. Speaking of David Ogden Styers, there's an episode of Star Trek uh with him. Yes. And yes, there is. And um on the Elcars computer display the last four numbers on the panel is 4077 yep oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great yeah next time you watch that it's when he's in engineering and they're bip, 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 bip on the console it says 4077 cool so here's here's a question i'm i know i'm putting putting you on the spot here but what's what today is you're sure is going to be a classic in the future what do we know today is going to be a classic in the future I don't even know what kids watch today. I don't even know. No, what. for you, for you. Oh, for me. I don't think much of anything because because every everybody gets so offended by anything on at the drop of a hat. Something that is so politically correct now is going to offend somebody in like three to five years. That all of a sudden it'll be problematic. Yeah, you know. Well, I think Keith was right uh, at the beginning of the segment when he said it's a digital wasteland because there's such there's too much out there right now well I, I, the, I, I, yeah that, I that's what i think I, I think there's too much of everything out there right now and it's like what do you where can you like navigate through this you know this craziness to find something that's actually mm. wow that's going to be really really good and like it's still 20 30 years from now i i don't know mm. um, I think, I yeah, think one thing i thing, would say is pete is sitting in uh in moe's tavern from the simpsons and I would say if there's one thing that popped into my head, it would be that that might endure. Right, but that's already a classic, really. Right, right. It's been but around for, for it's been around for thirty years. There you go. Oh, it's still yeah, running. Yeah, so, yeah. And you're right, Keith. It I is still running. Yeah. Something that that you also brought up that that, uh, that one thing leading to another. It was a lot of the things that 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 have stayed classics are are events. Charlie Brown, for example, that was only on Halloween. It's only on Christmas. Yeah, it's only on Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoons, those are events that whereas whereas now you want to watch you want to binge watch cartoons, you can watch the entire series in an afternoon. Whereas whereas when we were younger, it was it was a uh, it was an event. You know, Saturday morning, you're watching you're watching the Pac-Man cartoon. Well, and I think and, that, it, and yeah. it was an event. It's, it's definitely, that's a really good point, Pete, because it's basically what we call that in the psycho- psychological world is delay of gratification. So the idea uh-huh. that, that the idea that you have to wait until your next fix, you know, that was a thing. We couldn't, like you said, uh, Angela, we couldn't just binge watch stuff. If we wanted to see the next episode of something. All we could get was some previews and what it was going to say and where, Keith. The TV guide. Right. The TV yeah. guide would give you uh, summaries. That's why it was so cool to see it. And you're right. That's the behavioral thing where you're sitting around, we're sitting around, and we're waiting in that yeah. moment. In the, I, I saw something recently where they were talking about you know the fever now. People go, oh, that was good. What's next? That was good. What's next? 
it's kind of like, oh, Deadpool, that was great. When's the next one? You know, so everybody just wants more and more and more and more, and they don't stop to just take in and enjoy what they have. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, where we, you're right, we had to wait. What about well, sports? Any any sports related stuff you think could be a classic in thirty years, Keith? Well, um, I would say anything the Steelers do positively. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree Every with game you. They on win that will be an instant classic. There you go. He's right. <laughs> my my question is is how much stuff today that you, that steals from classics and tries to say it's original. That's my question. I, I think that I think that even though sometimes they're the evil empire, Disney has created some stuff in the last few years that will be classics. I mean, the, the Frozen stories and mm-hmm. the Moanas and right, stuff but those like are that. the same stories over and over again. You know, damsel in distress kind of thing. There, there are only seven stories in the entire universe. Jude, and they just keep being retold over and over again. I mean, it's just how you tell the story, right? Right, exactly. Disney sometimes really does get it right. I I actually, um, in the last couple of years, gotten into Miyazaki's films, and his hand-drawn animation is just outstanding. I think his stuff, when it comes to animation, that stuff will endure for a long, long time. Yes. I I even think there might be some – you know who – you know – from a culinary standpoint, since I watch a lot of cooking shows, I used to love Emerald Live. I think Emerald Live. Bam! Bam. <laughs> It'd be a classic. Well, he's got his face on sauce jars and stuff now. So yeah. he does. A lot of product promo. <laughs> and it, All right. No, but I'm saying he'll endure because he's also associated with his own brand. Yeah. Well, I'm a Bobby Flay. Emerald was good, though. Bam. Um, okay, guys. That was a great, great topic, Angelo. Um, it's time to take a break. We're going to move on to our next thing. But just to remind everybody, if uh, this ad space between these segments is for lease, give us a call or not give us a call, but contact us through the website or through email to inquire about uh, placing that with us. And we'll be back. From the galactic depths of the comic book universe comes the ghosts of the stratosphere, ready to galvanize and energize your mind with the latest of comic book news and reviews and Yes, that's much better. Hi, this is Andy Larson for Ghosts of the Stratosphere. Join me every week along with my co-hosts Rob Stewart and Chad Smith as well as a cavalcade of fantastic comic book guests as we dish out heaping helpings of the greatest and latest of comic book news and reviews. You can find us under Ghosts of the Stratosphere as well as on our website www.gotstratosphere.com Hope to see you soon, folks. And we're back. We've got quite a topic to talk about right now. Keith and Pete are pissed AF. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be fun. And go. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. My original plan when this stuff started happening was to start ranting and, and beating on these um, so called journalists. Um, What's the matter, Keith? What's going on? Well, um, you know, we, we touched on this before in one of our earlier shows. We talked about this whole idea of gender washing and, and why, what's the, the point of it all when you can have both strong men and strong women together in something. And it's just seemed over the last two weeks to have gotten to a point where uh, it's gotten so bad, I actually shut off my personal Twitter account for five days. 
I uh, just turn it back on and we'll see how long it stays on. The access media has somehow aligned themselves with major studios to take the stance against the fans of longtime IPs. And basically, if you have anything critical to say about a new version of a franchise, you are immediately given an identity politic label. Politics, you're either an alt-right Nazi Trump-loving hater, SOB, or the opposite. <laughs> in other cases, you are an extreme left Antifa nutbag. You just it immediately they they polarize you and they put you in one of two camps, and you're not allowed to have an opinion anymore. What happened was on May 27th, HBO Max announced in their parent company Warner Brothers that after receiving tons of requests from not only fans but the actors themselves in the movie uh, looking at you ben affleck and gal gadot and jason momoa they all wanted the justice league Zack snyder version released hashtag release the snyder cut has been trending on twitter for what a year pete over a year yeah basically since since the movie came out people wanted to see the alternate version of it right so they go ahead on May 27th and announce that they're going to put this in, I believe, January of 21 on HBO Max. Now, clearly, with what's going on in the world right now, everyone's hemorrhaging money. Warner Brothers got smart and said, huh, nothing's really working with this DC universe. All these fans really want the Zack Snyder version of Justice League. And whether it's better or worse or equally bad, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't matter. The point is, another version of this film exists, at least in Zack Snyder's mind. I don't think it's actually cut yet. Um, And they're going to put some money in and actually assemble it and put it out. But Warner Brothers is smart because they're looking for something to anchor their new streaming service, HBO Max. So they want to make money, God forbid. Um, What happened was all this access media, and these are basically glorified blog sites like Screen Rant or Collider or Vulture. There's a bunch of them out there. Newsarama, CBR, have these quote-unquote journalists that get paid anywhere between $10 and maybe $50 a blog, um, started immediately attacking people like us, fans of these properties. And here's, here's just a couple of these headlines that I will point out right now. Um, here's one from Screen Rant. Justice League's Zack Snyder Cut sets a bad precedent. Same day, Collider. Why releasing the Justice League Snyder Cut sets a dangerous precedent? And from the Vulture, what hath the Snyder Cut released? And these authors of these blogs go on to just completely eviscerate fans and Warner Brothers for caving into people. Now, fans writing in to save things they love has been going on since... B. Joe Trimble and her husband uh, saved Star Trek. Family Guy was saved by fans. Futurama. I mean, it goes on and on with these properties over years. Why suddenly are we, do I have to read? um, Here's Vulture's Abraham Reisman. In retrospect, it was inevitable. Like Brexit or Donald Trump's clinching of the presidency, first you hear what happened. Even if you wanted it to happen, you're shocked. What does that even mean? What more He's comparing a movie, a cut of a movie? Yeah. And not a particularly Brexit? good movie, a revolutionary movie. It's it's Justice League, for God's sake. It's 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 It was the B-list Avengers, for God's right. sakes. He's yeah. not done. He goes on to say, these people aren't supposed to be calling the shots. 
They're day class A, outsiders, drunk on avatistic rage and viciously abusive toward their foes. Such people are destined to be at the fringe, not at the hub of power. What the fuck? Fuck you! What do these Jonathan. guys think that, um, how is it going to be a problem? What You said a quote earlier before, and I lost the phraseology. It sets a bad precedent. Yes. What bad I- precedent? What is the problem? I don't see what the problem is, why they care, whether or not somebody else is, and they're taking, they're, they're actually whining that the us fans or, you know, I never said release the Snyder cut. I could care less, but the people who wanted it are going to cost Warner brothers money now to put this thing together and get it out there. Like, that's not your problem. So, so how is this a danger? How are you comparing this to, to, to Brexit and, and, and world affairs and politics. Like, this is what I'm talking about. And how is this dangerous? It, it's just, uh, there's a great, I'm going to put all these links up. And there's one here from Bounding Into Comics. The guy collected all of it into one document. It is really unbelievable. Screen Rat Collider and Vulture attack fans and actors after Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill announced Snyder Cut for HBO Max. Like I said, this this whole idea that that fans shouldn't have a voice and, and that by giving them one, it sets some kind of dangerous political precedent is beyond me. I mean, we're, we're, let's just, as Alan likes to say, let's back the truck up here, folks. Yeah, it's really. It's a fucking movie. No one's going to die. If you don't want to watch it, don't. If you don't want to pay for HBO Max, don't. Well, I mean, these I'm, guys, I think they're so desperate to, to get their goddamn voices out there for their $10 blog post. I mean, what in the shit is going on? Fuck you! But it, oh. And it's not, it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Do you think this is all the studios, though? You know, when a movie comes out and the studios don't like what, um, what they wanted the, the vision to be for a movie and the studios, no, we got to change it this way. It's got to fit this and we got to, we got to make a, a, a you know, something appeal to everybody you know we can't just have uh just well, no, that, one thing i'm curious to know if there's a point of blame in that so when the well, movie fails and the studio goes well it's not our fault and then they actually start some kind of that's exactly what it is that's exactly what it is and and you know that's funny because some of these blogger guys are taking the side of you know why should if they fired Zack snyder and hired joss whedon and th- don't you think that's the better version anyway you know why would you how many times have we seen studios completely bungle yeah. <laughs> a well, film a, in a film there's vision? A, there's an actual YouTube video out there of a guy, and I, I forgot, he, he reviews movies, who did a comparison between how Avengers was, was, was done and how um, Suicide Squad was done. And he compared the two, and he actually went through and said, this is why Suicide Squad failed. It wasn't that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be an uninteresting movie. The characters were interesting. It's just the way it was delivered was just, it didn't make any sense. It was confusing. It didn't, if you compare it to Avengers, Avengers actually done well. It's written well or edited well. Right, but the thing they're trying to do here and what's happening is that they're getting this narrative out there that it's not about the way the film's structured and it's not about the way the story's told. If you don't like it, you're a bad person. Oh, yeah. And, and it got to the point where this past week, we're recording this on uh, June the 2nd. Harley Quinn cartoon had a, an episode just last week where they had these two basement dwelling guys. Um, one's wearing a release the Snyder Cut t-shirt and the other one's wearing a t-shirt that says the last Jedi is not canon. And they're sitting in a basement with a bong and a bowl of Doritos. right. right. And they're drinking soda. And um, it's basically, um, they're arguing about esoteric bits of Lord of the Rings lore as we find them at the top of the episode. 
Right. The more reasonable one, The Last Jedi haters, suggest they should watch the Harley Quinn on DC Universe. A bit of self-reflexivity if there ever was one. The Snyder Cut dude spit takes and refuses. Have you ever seen the show The Last Jedi asks innocently enough? Oh, God, no, shoots back Snyder Cut. It's just another heavy-handed female empowerment story where the true villain is the quote-unquote patriarch so basic. And that's the kind of shit they're, they're the spin they put on it. Fuck you! Very derogatory. It's yeah. very derogatory. Condescending. Yeah. So well, it, yeah. last week when I was reading all these headlines, I really got mad <laughs> because the irony is the, the, these blog sites are set up also for the same people that they are destroying on here and, and saying they're, uh, they were dangerous and you know fanboys and the, the, the whole bit. So it's always, it's always productive to show contempt for your audience, right? In the meantime now, just today, it started breaking. Clownfish TV had a video this morning that a lot of these sites suddenly are taking on water. A lot of these sites are, were funded and set up by VCs with a two to three year growth period. Um, at that point, advertisers or whatever else should be t- picking up a lot of the slack. Well, it looks like that's kind of failing and they're still running off the VC, by the way, venture capitalists. They're still running off the venture capitalist money. Oh, thank God that you clarified running. that. Thank because you. It, in, in World of Warcraft, VC stands for Van Cleef. And I'm like, I don't think we're going in any <laughs> So the venture capitalist money's drying up because, you know, it was it was supposed to be a one-time investment. So um, I guess Newsarama is switching their focus from comic books to gaming now to try to stay afloat. Pete, I, I don't know what else to say. I've, I've monopolized. Yeah, no, I, I, it just baffles me that, 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 that studios had taken the stance of belittling their paying customers. You know, you know, if, if, if you've got such a, this, the slightest bit of disagreement, you know, I really didn't really did, kind of didn't like the last Jedi. You're, you're a sexist. You're a hater. You're this, you know, why are, are, are you suddenly labeling people with these such ex- dream titles over a damn movie it it, it just blows my mind and this has been the trend for five years at least but the last two weeks have been out of control since this this zack snyder thing happened yeah it's 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 why are they you know willing to die on the on the hill of the of the justice league it was not a good movie when did it suddenly become high art it's not like people are suddenly demanding an alternate cut of schindler's list or philadelphia <laughs> right, right. Well, that's we what know, I mean. uh, cuts of blade runner and everything else thrown up blade runner is five different versions for christ's sake right wasn't it about 15 yeah. years ago that uh, Warner Brothers released the, the Donner cut of Superman 2? Yes, he was, uh, about he was famous. Yeah. yeah, so he was famously fired from that film. And, you know, they had, uh, I think the director's name was Richard Lester. He came in, did some reshoots. And you can see the difference throughout the, the second one that was released theatrically, how different Margot Kier looked as Lois Lane. But, you know, I don't think there was any kind of fan service there in terms of like they weren't like knocking on Warner Brothers' door to release that movie. They just did it on their own. You know, right. good or bad, whatever. I still, it's it's pretty cool to see something like that. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. You know, so I, I still go back to B. Joe Trimble and her husband, and right, right, sure, Well, you know, our track. Un- Unfortunately, yeah. the the best kind of publicity that they can possibly get is this kind of stuff that's going on right now in the in the universe, and it, it's our job to stand up and say. We're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. I mean, Ooh, we're doing this pop culture podcast. And I mean, that's the whole point of Pete's enraged. He's not mad because he thinks he has a better opinion. He's mad because it's insulting to people who care about, you know, movies and and 
life in general. Uh, this is just an insult, and that's I, what matters. I, I see this this whole thing is just a huge overreach, too. I mean, these are people who are supposed to be putting up little blogs and doing what we're doing only on you know blog sites, and um, it's counterintuitive to what they're making this big mess out of. It's just report the news. You don't have to put your personal politics into every single thing, and that's Agreed. what drives me nuts. And I just... On the way out of this segment, I just want to swing a chair for a champion uh, like us, Red Letter Media, Mike Staklasa. He released a 90-minute review of Star Trek Picard, and I've heard from three different sources now that when CBS Viacom went and tried to pitch Strange New Worlds, both Amazon and Netflix had just watched that review. It dropped like the same day that they were going to do this pitch to them, (laughs) and both companies ran away. That's funny. After watching Red Letter Media's takedown of Picard, um, they were scared off. They're not going to put another dime into Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek. And that's the power of, of That's the, the power of the internet, and that's the power of... He's it, really and, good. He's really good. He does a great job. It's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's not a slam fest. It's a really thorough study of what went wrong. Another great, another great segment, guys. Thanks for the discussion, and we will be back. Fuck you! It was the three-legged dog of the comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail, and then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they do in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manholes covers. C-A-T-A-P. They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Critic was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. And so our little podcast pizza and pop culture here visit us on twitter and facebook pizza pop culture and we have a website pizzapopculture.com please subscribe um check us out we really want to know what you think we um are really we find ourselves in good company in the company of other great friends uh and their podcasts like planet comics ghosts of the stratosphere 430 movie inglorious trexperts and the best movies never made, just name a few. Some great podcasts out there. We encourage you to listen to them, listen to ours, subscribe, and think about um, this very important stuff that we're talking about. But I wanted to bring it back for just a second to pizza, and I wanted to point out that I made a pizza for dinner, guys. I showed you my pizza. Awesome. And I want, I want, I made it on the grill. If you want my recipe, send in us a message and I'll talk to you about how to do it. But remember, if you want that curly, crispy pepperoni, you got to use um, natural casing pepperonis. Motherfucker. Natural casing pepperoni. Okay. Natural casing wieners for lunch. 
Uh, let's see. Ju- <laughs> Natural case of wieners. <laughs> said wiener this lunch. is a G-rated. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jude, what are we talking about? Today we are going to talk about. Well, we're talking about anniversaries, but today specifically, we're going to talk about the 45th anniversary of the original release of Jaws, which was released in June 20th, 1975. Wow! Wow! Oh, oh very <laughs> impressive. And, and we're recording this on June 2nd, and the 4K Blu-ray came out today. I know. I see. And you got it's it. basically sold out anywhere. You just. I was lucky. I um. I forgot about it. And I went to go to Best Buy, but I checked their website first, and it was gone everywhere. There's one left up in Manchester, and I didn't have time to get there. So they're going to ship it to me for free. But I got Oh, oh wow. Amazon is out of it. and yeah. wow. The thing about Jaws is you can't get enough of Jaws. You can watch it and watch it and watch it, and you can never get sick of it. At least yeah. I can't. I'm not 4K ready really here yet, but that's okay. I will hang on to it. No, well, you have it for the future. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Let's see, Jaws turns 45. Uh, we got the Empire Strikes Back turning 40. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the Empire Strikes Back is 40. The Shining is 40. Mm-hmm. Really? The Shining's 40? I thought it was older than that. Uh, what, Star Trek Voyager comes is 25. just hit a milestone. 25. 25. Yep. Yeah, so this is a big year for uh, for dorkdom. And don't forget about our good friend. <laughs> you mentioned Pac-Man before. Um, yeah. Pac-Man is also... Pac-Man 40. turned 40. Last week, um, Star Trek Voyager had a reunion, and sadly, it had to be on the stupid internet. Um, kind of like this, a Zoom call kind of thing. <laughs> and it was... Uh, but I watched it. It was fun. It was fun to watch. And what I got out of it, uh, more than anything, I've actually started watching Voyager. It was the only Star Trek I haven't really watched yet. And I'm on season three now, and I'm starting to get into it. Oh, um, good! I love it. Yeah. It's nowhere near as good as Deep Space Nine or Next Gen, but oh, it's it, but it's wait. entertaining. How many seasons? It, it has moments. Every episode ends like a Universal Monsters movie, though. Like mm. they don't have the denouement. They just like they solve the problem. And it's like it's over. The end. Like <laughs> like the Universal Monster movies just stop. That's because they're in space traveling in a space. No, but like all the other Star Treks have a little moment at the end. This one doesn't. It just well, ends. you know, there's a, there's a bunch of episodes in the later seasons that are like what you're talking about right now, right. Snake. So you'll get to it. But the big thing I took away um, before we switch off of Voyager is um, Garrett Wong and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Uh, Garrett Wong, who played uh, Ensign Harry Kim, never got promoted. And um, Robert McNeil, who pay- played Tom Paris, uh, just started their own podcast five or six weeks ago. It's called The Delta Flyers. Yeah. Oh, and yes. I've been listening. It's uh, every week. It's a half hour every week. And they're basically, they're reviewing each episode. They're watching them and reviewing them. And it's really interesting because they don't really remember much and watching it brings back all these memories and, and things. And it's really, really a fun listen. I'm That's great. Yeah, I have a picture with Kate Mulgrew. Just yes, you do. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew was very impressive on that reunion. She said some things that were, uh, yeah, I was like, right on, girl. And Tim Russ sang a song, which was awesome, and it was fun. The thing I, I did that, really, Robert Picardo. Cast. Robert Picardo looks exactly the same. I know <laughs> he's really a hologram. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> so I thought, in honor of the 45th anniversary of the original release of Jaws, I was going to see who was the pizza podcast Jaws guru. Ooh. Ooh. So let's test your knowledge, guys. Perfect. Okay. So who do you think, out of all of us besides me, 
I mean, I love Jaws, but I know you guys are, I know Keith, especially he's a diehard Jaws fan, but who do you think has the, is the most knowledgeable out of all of us, Paul Harry, all of us, Paul well, Harry, and he's Paul's not, not here. here. So let's test your knowledge. Okay. Ready? Oh boy. <laughs> is this a surprise, Jude? This is the surprise. Hey, Come on. I'd love a surprise. And if, if, fan, if fans of the show could follow along, and if they can guess it before you guys, then I don't know. They can write in and say you guys suck. But anyway, let me uh, let's go through some of these. Okay, ready? Let me yeah. start with the easy ones. Okay. In the beginning of the movie, a young woman goes swimming while her boyfriend passes out on the beach. She's attacked by a shark and killed. What's her full name? Christine. Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> Christine something. I can't remember her last name. <laughs> Look at everybody Googling. Look at Alan. Oh, you can't come Google on. Alan. You can't cheat. You can't cheat. You can't what do you cheat. mean? I'm not Googling. What makes you think I'm Googling? <laughs> so Christine is, that is her first name, and I'll, I'll give it away. I'll give you a little clue. The last name begins with a W. Oh, yes. Christine Watkins. Yeah. All oh, right. <laughs> Point for Angelo. Shoot, <laughs> I have one for you. Oh, boy. Here we go. The, okay. The, 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 the young man that's with her that passes out on the beach. Okay. The next day when he's walking with, uh, you know, Chief Brody, what's the name of the school that he goes to? He mentions it. Oh, I don't know. Oh, man, come on. Keith knows this. easy. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. No, wait, wait, Keith. I'll give you a hint, Jude. The school is here in Connecticut. He lobbed a softball at you, man. I know. It's a fastball right there in the play. I'm telling you it's a fastball. It's coming. Here it comes. Go for it. Choke? (laughs) No. Is it choke? No. No, it's not choke. I was going to say, what? Pete, you don't know this, Pete? No, I don't. Wow. Tell him, Angelo. Trinity. What? What is it? Trinity. Oh, in Trinity. Hartford. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. It goes to Trinity in Hartford. Here's another softball. If you, you guys are not Jaws experts. <laughs> well, I, I, I was supposed to be. The yeah, one. it's like, like you know, we've, we've already year, admitted that we're not. What's well, the only you'll line? Of, you'll, it's your turn. We've got plenty of time, Jude. Okay. What's the only line of dialogue that's repeated twice in the movie? Looks like we're gonna need to pick a boat. Nope. It's gonna make us all look shark. Like, you know what, right, Angelo? Shark. shark. <laughs> yeah. You know it? Actually, you know what? I'm I'm thinking. I'm like, and I just watched it the other day. I'm thinking to myself, what is he talking about? There's one line that's repeated twice by two different characters. Oh, okay. All right, I'm gonna have to tell you. Tell us. That's not funny. That's not funny at all. Really? It's said so by Chief the woman. Brody. The woman in the town hall meeting says it. Oh, that's right. And, Chief and then Chief Brody right. says it. That's right. That's great, Snake. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Let me give you. Let's, let's do two easy ones first here. Okay. Okay. The first time you see Brody on the beach, he's singing a song. What is the name of that song? This is an easy one. Did you write all these questions yourself? Or you no, no. I did, it was, these are ones I jotted down, and I did some research on them on the internet, so I knew they were right. Okay, all right. Chief but, Brody? Chief Brody? Sean Brody. First time you see oh, Sean Brody, the, the oh, Muffin Man. Oh, Dino the Muffin Man. Yeah, the Muffin Man. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. Chief Brody. I'm like, okay, I remember you sitting in there well, I said Brody. playing behind him, but I don't remember him singing anything. Right. That's a pretty easy one. Here's another one. 
when uh, the old man comes up to me and he says, that's a bad hat, Harry. <laughs> Who took that line? <laughs> Who named his production company after that line? That's yes. an easy one. Angelo knows it's, it. Yeah, it's, I know it too. What is it, Pete? Brian Singer. Yeah, Brian Singer. Bad Hat Harry Productions. Uh, yep. I love that. Yeah. How about the in on the dock when they have the wrong shark? Steven Spielberg's in that scene. Oh, is he? He's wearing a black raincoat. Oh, is he, he's with the other guy. That's right. He's he well, he's blended into the crowd that's like milling around. The what? I, <laughs> I bet you guys don't know what they called the shark after the first day of filming when it sank. Bruce. Bruce. No. Tell us, Ellen. The great white turd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's for real. It says it right there. I mean, right here. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is You're the okay. swimming with what legged women. Okay. Ready? What is the name of the island? Oh, it's too easy. It's Amity Island. There Amity. you go. Well, I mean, and of course, you know, here. Amity means... I thought, I thought it was a, like a trick. Even I knew that. Yeah. All right. How much money does Quint want to kill the shark? $10,000. Wow. You, get, oh, you guys are on fire. fire. The whole damn thing. You guys are on fire. Okay, hold on. What's, what's, the, what's the name of the little boy who got killed? The little Kittner boy. Ah. Alex Kittner. <laughs> Alex Kittner. <laughs> Pete sent me his action figure last week. It wrapped with a shark bite in it. That was horrible. Yeah. And, uh, Do yourself a favor and Google Alex Kittner action figure. It, oh, it's God. a hoot. That's I'm going to look at it up right now. The, the backing Kittner. card, I was crying laughing at the backing card. It's the blood spurting everywhere. What was the line where he said they're going to cut the... Apparently cut he owns the, the deli on the island. Kittner, I think. not going to do out. some kind of half-assed autopsy on a fish <laughs> and have that little Kittner boy spill out all over the dock. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's uh, one. Yeah, do yourself a favor and Google Alex Kittner action figure. I just did. Oh, yeah. oh my God, this is unbelievable. I put it on our Twitter. I'll that do it great. again. It's... <laughs> Tell me the backing card is not the best, Alan. I got to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Go on with the questions. Oh my god! All right, you guys ready? Okay, this is this. I think this one's kind of this one's kind of hard. In the scene uh, where the teenage boy is throwing a stick to the dog, what is the name of the dog? Pippin. Oh yeah. my god, dude, you're on fire, Keith. Jeez, I don't think I could stump him. You're lobbing softballs over here to Keith. Yeah, they get every easy. single one. They're easy. Yeah. Okay. When was the first? Uh, when you first see Quint, uh, he's walking into what pub? Oh, that's a good one. That's one the, isn't one it called the whales um anus no the whales uh <laughs> mouth or something like that you're close whalers oh whalers in or something whalers some, tavern oh, oh whalers tavern whalers yeah. tavern oh okay man i don't need to take this working class here oh crap well, keith you you're killing it <laughs> i i love jaws i can almost recite it Okay, when Hooper uh, is in the Brody residence, he tells Ellen that he's leaving the next day to spend 18 months on a boat. What's the name of the boat? Oh, that was the... Um, floating Asylum. Uh, yeah, the Floating Asylum. What was the name of the boat? That is a good question, Jude. What is it? Aurora? Aurora. The Aurora. It started with an yeah. A. I was going to say Andromeda. Yeah. yeah, Aurora. That's right. Yeah, these, these are good. I can do anything I want. I'm the chief of police. 
You know, Snake, I, where you live on the Kensington Highway, there used to be a movie theater. I think I told you the story. It's a little bit further down going towards New Britain. And that's where I first saw Jaws. It was like 19, it was in the re-release, so it was probably 1976. My father took me and my brother to go see it. I don't think we were there very long because we left, but that was the first movie I had been to at a movie theater. And obviously it's not there anymore, but um, it's, a, it's a cool story I remember about you know, Jaws. That was the first movie I saw in the theaters. And it was, you know, at a theater right down the street from where you live. I saw it at the drive-in. Uh, actually, uh, Keith, you used to do your annual uh, Jaws party. Mm-hmm. Remember? Every year we used to go over your house and we used to watch Jaws. And Paul Harriet, who's not here on the show at the moment, he used to make some kind of food diorama, I guess you'd want to call it, right? That was the night I picked up the, um, the Blu-ray release. The original yep. Blu-ray release. Angela, you came to that too, right? That was that was eight years ago, Snake. Eight years ago. And yeah. uh, this is not yeah. annual. No way. A, a macaroni <laughs> salad <laughs> with uh, half of a Barbie doll and all the entrails. That was awesome. Shrimp and stuff. Oh. It was awesome. And he yeah. had the plastic shark in it. And it we uh, should post that up on uh, that. Put that up online I'll for everybody to see. It's photo. freaking hilarious. But um, and then since it's been the Southington Drive-In because they usually have it the first showing of the year, the first week of June. And Pete, how many years we've been doing that? Um, oh God, it, 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 at least five. Yeah, and uh, no, not this year because for whatever reason, even though every other drive-in theater in the world is open, because it's a smart thing to do in social distancing times, the Southington Drive-in decided to shut down, which was the the, uh, the nice. I don't thing. understand that. Yeah. <laughs> the Manchester's open. What I like, uh, Mansfield. I mean, and the Mansfield Drive-in. What I like is they're actually showing older movies. They used to be a first run driving. Now they're showing Harry Potter's and that's great. And yeah. Oh, that's good. Hey, um, which actually, one of you guys knows uh, Empire Strikes Back best? Jude. Me? Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know. I've never been quizzed on it. But what is what is Han Solo's call sign on Hoth? Oh. Oh. I, I Echo Seven. This. No, it's Echo, it's Echo Three. Echo Three? No, no, wait. That's uh, no, that's no that's, Echo Three. No, Echo, Echo Seven. Three is, Han, old yeah, buddy. That's right. Yeah, Echo Seven. You're <laughs> you right. You are yep. correct, yep. Pete. Yeah, excellent. Um, which type of droid is not seen in Echo Base? Droid? Droid? I hate droids. <laughs> I wish none of them were in there. Well, they had the medical droid. R2 they, had, they, they had three POs. They had uh, they had R2. They no, there's R2 no R2 units. R2 himself. He's there. Um, no, R2, not, R2 isn't it? It's not yeah, one of the R2. choices. I don't know. House, Wed, Treadwell, two one B or GNK. What the hell is that? That's going. Cool. No, that's I have no yeah, idea. There's no mouse droids. These as are far these as are deep, these are deep cut questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> These are in the novel, right? <laughs> They're in the cartoon show on Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah. The extended universe game. No idea. Should we sing a song to all of these great shows that are classics that we love? You know what? Actually, you want a classic show I just watched the other, the other day? It's Three's Company. I don't know Come why. Knock on our door. But it was on <laughs> tele. It was on, uh, I think it was Hulu. Uh, and I was watching Three's Company. And I haven't watched that show in probably. Since the eighties, the reruns. It's a good show. It actually was a pretty funny show. Yeah, the one with with um, uh, what's her name? 
Su- uh, John Ritter. Yeah, and Suzanne Suzanne Summers. Thank you, Suzanne Summers. Is that yeah. the one you were watching, the Suzanne Summers version? Well, there was. I always uh, think about it as the 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 landlords because there was the Ropers and then there was. Uh, Mr. Furley, and then you had you had Chrissy Snow, and then you had Jenny Lee Harrison come in as her cousin. Right, right, right. She lasted like a season, and then they brought in um, what's her name, um, Terry. Terry, the yeah, there. Um, God, I'm drawing a blank on the actress, but you know. And I always thought Quagmire was based off of um, what's his name, Larry. Larry, oh, Larry upstairs. <laughs> yeah, I always thought Quagmire. That was pretty much like the you know his cartoon self of Larry. The actress who played Terry was in a Kevin Smith film. Do you yeah, guys remember which one? She's in Mallrats. She's in Mallrats, yeah. Uh, well, that's the, wait, was that the one with the three nipples? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we could do more quizzes like this in the future if you guys liked them. I thought this would be a surprise. I, I actually yeah. think our fans the, and, and the ones that we have should – Quiz us. Send yes, in definitely. their trivia questions. Send in their tough trivia, and we'll make a we'll make a pack that we won't attempt to Google them, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we close out, uh, I just want to make one more uh, note here. Um, has nothing to do with our topic, but um, on May thirtieth, Mitch Halleck actually had to uh, postpone Terrificon here in Connecticut. It's um, canceled until july 30th through august 1st 2021 so that's a bummer but not totally unexpected Trificon, terrific events really a lot of a lot of uh, fun we'll have to get mitch on the show um talk about it's a good idea cons and stuff yeah cool great show guys jude pete angelo doing recommendations around the horn before we go yeah Uh, what, what are you watching Blood Machines, if you could find it. It's on Shutter, but I found it um, not on Shutter. I actually found it online, but very, very interesting movie. Or, I guess, TV miniseries, whatever. Okay. I actually wanted to see if I can get a copy off to you guys to watch it, because it's pretty, it's pretty out there. Where is it on? Um, what, what's, uh, it's on uh, Shutter. It's the horror channel. Oh, okay. Those damn horror channels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to watching Alan. To be specific, <laughs> it's AMC Shutter. What are you watching, Pete? I'm going to recommend uh, A Touch of Evil, the Orson Welles cut. Ooh. Because fans demanded an alternate cut of a, of, of a movie. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Uh, the, Orson well, uh, the Orson Welles cut of A Touch of Evil. Uh, Charlton Heston plays a Mexican and, and Orson Welles plays a crooked cop. <laughs> <laughs> I love Touch of Evil. It's one of the best horror movies ever made. It's and got when the, it came out, Orson Welles gave uh, a, a, a pretty extensive list of changes that he wanted to make, but the studio didn't listen to him. And so they released it at, as is. And uh, years later, uh, Walter Murch went back and re-edited it according to Orson Welles' notes. So I, if you can find it, the Orson Welles cut of A Touch of Evil. Nice. Very good, Pete. And you know what? For even bringing that up, you are a toxic fan. Toxic. I am. And you just set a dangerous precedent telling people to watch an alternate cut of a movie. And if anybody... I am. I'm toxic. Fuck you. And if anybody (laughs) sees it, you have to really respect that it was the first movie in the intro shot to have the longest running shot without an edit. 
And in the theatrical right. version, it's pasted, there's graphics pasted all over the you know, uh, opening titles. In the Orson Welles version, they're stripped away and they took the music away. So you hear all the natural sound of storefronts and everything else. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, an ab- it's, mm-hmm. it's an absolute masterpiece. Yep. Yeah. The intro alone blew me away when they come off the, they come off the crane and just walk into yep. the shot. It's amazing. Yep. Angela, it's what time. about you? Oh, uh, it's a book. Um, and maybe nice. we can talk about this uh, at a, on a future episode. The book is called I Lost It at the Video Store. <laughs> the author's name is Tom Rostin, and he interviews people like Tarantino, John Sayles, uh, James Franco, Luke Besson, Kevin Smith, and how these guys got their education on uh, film education at the video store, which I would think most of us on this panel mm-hmm. have probably <laughs> the same. So, you know, it's a good book. It came out about five years ago. It's, just, it's a really, it's a really quick read. It's fun because it's, you read it going, wow. Yeah, I did that. You know, I know what they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's a really good book. So. I mean, wow. we can talk about it on a you know, future episode. We should. I, I miss video stores. We should do a whole segment on video stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about Absolutely. you? What about you chicken? Um, well, I've been doing the um, horrible, tedious task of I'm cataloging all my comics because I want to sell my whole collection, thousands of comics. And I have this little app and I can scan the barcode and it puts it into a database. And last night I was uh, on letter S and I got to Superior Spider-Man. And I said, I'm going to shout this one out on the show. Superior Spider-Man came out in 2012, 13 um, basically what they did at issue number 700 of Amazing Spider-Man was they killed Peter Parker and Dr. Octopus had taken over his his body. He put his brain and his mm-hmm. essence into him and became this um, superior version of Spider-Man because he has the superior intellect. And, and what happens is he's trying to be a hero, but he's, he's still, he's too much of a villain. So it it's a really fun arc to read because as he's trying to do the right thing, he slowly gets more and more, we'll say harsh with his tactics. And there's one where he like picks up a gun and shoots a guy in the face. And that's when the Avengers call him and go, dude, what the hell? And it's great because nobody can figure it out. Cause when they do DNA tests and whatever, it's Peter. Right. Um, so, but Octavius is, is in his mind. So it's a lot of fun and it's about a 33 issue arc before they, fixed it and retconned it back to Peter Parker. But, you know, I had a, I thought it was going to be terrible. I bought it anyway, and it ended up being one of my favorite comics for years. It was fun. Nice. Hmm. I am one of my favorite movies um, growing up was Midway. Um, And I, I didn't know this before, um, but did you know, you know who did the music, the original music for the original Midway in 1976? John Williams. Jerry Goldsmith. John John Williams. John Williams did it. And, you know, cast of big cast. Um, and I just watched the uh, Roland Emmerich 2019 version, which was which was also really good. Um, they stuck true to a lot of the uh, same sort of style of shooting um, and in storytelling. I almost thought it's like am I, some of this was shot for shot. Like, you know, and there's the scene when they're on that um Midway, the island in, in, I don't know if it was called Midway Island, where the, uh, the, the uh, movie maker goes with his camera and he goes up there. And, you know, what was interesting is that um, it feels like a modern movie. And when you see the guy up there with the old crank uh, movie camera and, and turning it just, 
I thought they did a really nice job with uh, with the 2019 version, but I still like the 1976 version a little mm. bit better. I'm curious to know magic words Roland and Emmerich. <laughs> yeah, you know what's really strange is I'm curious to know. Like I don't even know what. I mean, obviously the movie theaters aren't open, but what? Wh- how do they release movies now? Do they still release them somewhere? Or? There's a so, couple of VOD titles, but they're yeah, sitting on them, and they moved them all the fall or early winter. Yeah, a lot of chains are going to be re-releasing old movies to kind of lure people back because they want the new releases to actually make money. Surprise! Um, but they're they're going to be re-releasing older titles to entice people to come back to the movies. I would be down with that. I would definitely go. I think we're going to find out in a couple short weeks here in Connecticut. Yep. So. Mm. Thanks, everyone. And uh, remember, pizzapopculture.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Listen to our, our friends um, that, that we've mentioned. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace out. Peace. Adios. Adios.